Welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward, and this week we are catching back up with Ryan Chikuski, uh, who in episode number 47 was the athlete and the author who was in preparation for the Bigfoot 200. Well, fast forward a couple months, the Bigfoot 200 just happened, and I'm excited to hear Ryan's story and his race report. Ryan is also currently writing a book about the event called The Bigfoot 200, because why the bleep not? (laughs) And in his book, he's going to give you a perspective of the race from uh, other athletes, front of the pack, middle of the pack, uh, the race winners, the race director, volunteers, medics, and pretty much just Get a general idea of what a 200-mile endurance race entails. And that's why I'm excited to have Ryan on the show today because through his story, there is something for everybody. If you're an athlete who's training for a 200-mile race and you're looking for tips and advice about the actual race event itself, Ryan has some awesome advice. If you're like me and you're just a person who is trying to fathom and wrap their head around such an insanely long endurance event, he really does a great job of putting you in his shoes during race day. And by race day, I mean race days (laughs) because it's a 200 mile race. Um, Yeah, his story was fascinating. Uh, It's a great race report. I really felt like I was there and he did a great job describing it. So I'm honestly, truly looking forward to his book. And uh, yeah, he'll be back on the show when uh, when he gets that finished up, which he has a lot of work ahead of him. So let's get right into the podcast. This is Like a Bigfoot, number 55, Ryan Chikuski. A couple of people were talking about it that I, you know, I had met. Uh, I got to meet some of the people who were going to be part of the book. We met during the the race check-in the day before, and then other people like heard me talking about it, and they're like, "What are you talking about?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Oh, this and that." And they're like, "I want to be a part of this." Yeah. Um, yeah. And then on the bus ride, it was like a two and a half hour bus ride from uh, from the uh, uh, finish to the start uh, that morning. And so then people were talking then too. And then I had a whole bunch of people, and we were in the back of the bus, and they were like. Let me give you my email address. I want to be part of this. And that's so, amazing, man. Yeah. That's super cool. Well, that's kind of like if you're starting an interesting project like that, like people are going to want to be involved, you know, and want to help out and want to assist. So. Oh, absolutely. And so, yeah, so it turned into, yeah, it's turning into this great project. So was it yesterday? I think I finally, yesterday, I finally got everyone's emails put together and then I sent out like a big detailed description of like what's going to be happening, you know, happening here and uh, kind of like some deadlines that I have that I'm making for myself. And, um, so I, it was kind of a, give me your phone number. I'm going to be calling you. Yeah. Kind of thing. <laughs> Setting up. Probably pretty simple stuff like this. Cause I want to record it. That's what I was going to ask. Are you going to, so you're going to like talk to him over the phone, but then record those conversations so you can come back to him. Yeah. So I can That's transcribe them afterwards. I'm yeah. just going to do stuff verbatim. What's really great was one of the guys who's in the book. Um, he videoed his entire race. 
And so he's just, and he narrated while he was going. And so he's just going to send me, he's sending me like all the video files and he's like, here's my story. No way. (laughs) He's like, dude, you don't even have to interview me. Here you go. (laughs) Yep. Him and his girlfriend, both. They, yeah, they're, uh, they ran it together. They dropped at, um, one thirty. Okay. Yeah. 30 miles. Um, and so I know that was really great was I, I ended up getting a couple of emails shortly after the race from people who had dropped out and they were like, please let me still be part of your book. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, dude, <laughs> that's was, part of the interesting part. You know, that's what I said. I wrote back and I'm like, I dropped out at one Oh two. Like yeah. I'm still going to be in the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, yeah, I want to, I I already, I just started recording, so I want to yeah. officially welcome you back, uh, to the podcast. And I'm so excited, man. Like when you were, uh, out there and the Bigfoot 200 was going on, I was definitely nerding out and like updating and refreshing as you went. So I totally want to hear, uh, hear about your experience. So, so yeah. And just a reminder, you're, you're gonna write a, or you're in the process of writing yep. a book and can you just remind everybody what the title is? Yeah, it's, it's called uh, Bigfoot 200 because you know, why the bleep not? <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And the premise is, you know, you're gonna, you know, do a bunch of people ran the event. You're going to have different perspectives from various <laughs> runners in front of the pack, back of the pack, middle of the pack, you know, everybody. So, and the, and the male and female winners. No way. Cool. Okay. Yep. Sweet. Jay Kinsella and Van Fan are now part of it as well. So awesome. Yep. Did they both set uh, course records on it? Yes, they both set course records. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, man. Uh, Jay, uh, he destroyed the course record. Yeah, and and was not even expecting it, which was really that's even more fantastic. Is that he's just like a couple days ago he was uh, messaging me and he's like, I still can't wrap my head around what I did. Yeah, <laughs> so, like. I mean, okay, so what was his, how, how long did it take him to run 200 miles? I, I think, if, now I, I don't have this exact, but it was like 58 hours, That's 59. insane. Because <laughs> 65 hours was the course record prior to that. So. Oh, my God. And you, you talk about nerding out watching during the week, like as runners, we were nerding out watching. <laughs> <laughs> like, any chance we had like reception, and there was very little reception, but any chance that we did have it, we were checking because we had heard it was, you know, the word was coming back yeah. uh, down the pack, and we all heard that he was just destroying everything. So, yeah. Well, I mean, and then it's funny because you're like, he's 40 miles ahead of me. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they said that coming down some of the hills, some of the volunteers and stuff said that he was, uh, breaking into like the 530 pace coming down some of those hills that's insanity man (laughs) and averaging like an eight minute pace like are you crazy over like oh it's just it's just nuts dude so have you had a chance to talk to him yet about how like what he did during the race no no i the only i had a little conversation with him at the finish line um because he was back at the finish line hanging out on that last day watching all the end of the racers come in and i went back there as well um to cheer on people coming in towards the end of the race and uh i talked with him briefly maybe 20 30 minutes during that period of time and he really just kind of talked to me about uh like where he was at during certain things and like some of the scary moments and yeah <laughs> things like that so how was he like afterwards i mean was he destroyed <laughs> No, that's the amazing <laughs> thing. The guy looked like he could go back out and run another 200. That's yeah. in, that's crazy, man. What what was his name? Uh, Jay uh, Ken Kinsella. Okay. K i n s e l l a. Yeah, one yeah. of the hard to pronounce names. You know, you know how that goes. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, guy from Canada came down from Canada. So, and, uh, dude, yeah, just, Canadians, man, they're just like a different breed. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Well, yeah. So I I want to hear about your experience because you know right before I started recording, you said it was like it was a two week thing. I mean, it's a trip. You're in Minnesota yep. and it's out in uh, Washington by Mount St Helens and yep. yeah. So let me let me hear about that. Yeah, so it all started, I mean, uh, see here, I mean, we were gone for eight days, like for that. I was off for two weeks from work. But yeah, it, uh, uh, you know, we took off, uh, flew out from Minneapolis, went to Portland. Um, it was super, super hot out there. Yeah. Um, and there were, there were fires uh, in British Columbia, uh, you know, speak, that we, I kind of, Jay, giving him a little crap, you know, coming down from Canada, they sent the fires down to us. All the smoke came yeah. down. And so the air was just polluted with smoke. Um, and so we, I, I, you know, give a, give him a little crap. Like you, you've been up there breathing that smoke for the last month. And then you come down here. Yeah. You brought it down with you and killed us all. But no, so, but it was very, very obvious that the, the air was just completely smoke filled. Um, you, I mean, you just couldn't really see much of anything flew into Portland, really hot, very smoky, uh, just really couldn't see much of anything. And so, for a couple of days there, there just wasn't anything to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, kind of getting that uh, that tapering, not doing anything, and making sure you're eating and hydrating well was really difficult to do when you're sitting in a hotel room for two days. Yeah. And all you're doing is itching to move. You know, you you just want to get after it and and get things done. But um, so that was kind of a a little lull in the in the whole experience. But then Thursday, driving up to. Um, Driving up to Randall, Washington, uh, that's where the finish was and where the the race, the check-in and all that stuff was. Okay. It was pretty cool. Um, good views, uh, you know, good, just a lot of really cool landscape out there. And at that point in time, the smoke was starting to clear. Okay. And they that's were, what I was, was going to ask you. Was there any fear at all that the race was just going to be canceled? Because you hear about that all the time where, you know, certain races. My cousin trained for uh, uh, Ironman in Tahoe and then there was forest fires and they just had to cancel the event. And I'm like, man, could you imagine training for so long for that event? And then it's canceled. Oh, I know that would be devastating. It's devastating. Devastating. I was part of a marathon. What was this has been like four years ago that got canceled the morning of (sighs) as we were, as we were towing the line and it was going to be, uh, my good buddy, a dragon who I talked about. Yeah. Yeah. I I believe I want to say his first marathon attempt he had dropped out at like mile 20 because he had, I can't remember what had ended up happening. So this was going to be his like second marathon attempt. And he had like trained and trained and trained. And we were towing the line at the beginning of the race and they weren't starting and they weren't starting. And we said, what is going on? And they called the race. They said, nope, it's canceled due to weather uh, because there's a storm coming in. And apparently the day before some lady had gotten hit by lightning Jeez. on part of the course. We went back to the car this is 20 minutes that passes between us leaving there and getting back to the car and the skies cleared and it was sunny oh. for the rest of the day. So it was, and you know, no refunds, nothing like that. Oh, you know, that's the just, fear. If you're the race director, like, Oh, oh yeah. man, like you don't want people to get hurt, but you don't want to call it. And oh. yeah, I, I don't know, man. I'm pretty sure we all signed those waivers. <laughs> yeah, man. Lightning, lightning. We're yeah, fine. I, we're going to be fine. okay. <laughs> we're adults. We can make our own decisions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. But, uh, no, I don't. I don't think there was any fear of of it getting of that getting canceled or anything like that. Just because um, Candace had sent out an email a couple days prior 
that said that she had been up in the she'd been out in the course and all of that stuff, and that her breathing had not been getting affected. Okay. So she wasn't worried about it. Um, one of the things that had happened though is when they were out course marking and everything, they had found some areas um, that got washed out, roads and stuff that got washed out, and so crew members weren't going to be allowed to um, get to like areas that maybe they were in the you know. Oh yeah. Before. And in, and one of the things was I'd say probably the most detrimental one was the first sleep station was at mile 46. The second one was at mile 65 and the mile 65 aid station would no longer be a sleep station. (laughs) That's huge. Yeah. Because the next sleep station wasn't until 91. So if people were planning on making it to that 65 to sleep, suddenly they had to go another 50 (laughs) K just to get to a sleep station. And I know a number of people who did that. Yeah. Uh, and, and they trucked on. Some of them finished, some of them didn't. Um, and so, and because that can, that can make or break. Yeah. Oh, like it's, it screws up your plans too, I have to imagine. Because, you know, some people might be like, ah, 50 miles, I'm not going to need to sleep yet. But maybe it's 65 yep. would be a good choice. But uh-huh. wow, man, that's crazy. So, yeah, so you get out there and uh, you get. Yeah, do, some- when you travel to the start line and everything, I mean. So we get, so Friday morning um, at, uh, let's see here. So we stayed, my wife and I stayed about 15 miles out of Randall at, at a hotel, nice place. And uh, we um, got, so I got some really good sleep. I actually amazingly got some like um, just fantastic sleep the night before. I had, I've been sleeping like crap all week. Yeah. Uh, I was so nervous. I was so ramped up, you know, and stuff. So I was worried that, you know, I'm going to go into this whole excursion with like no sleep. But I think I went to bed at like eight o'clock Thursday night and I slept solid until uh, what time? You know, five, four, four thirty, four forty five. Alarm went off and got up and got dressed. And it's that yeah, perfect weather where you don't have to like put on any more clothes. It's perfect to just be in your running gear and just be, you know, be warm and be OK and stuff. And uh, the sun was shining. Uh, Megan drove me down and dropped me off at the start, the, the, or at the finish line. That's where we loaded on the buses was at the finish line at the, the high school in Randall. And we all got on the buses. Um, actually got a good bus story. Um, so there's three buses and I'm on the third bus and we're trekking along. And like I said, people are talking, you know, you got that nervous energy. Everyone's yeah. kind of geared. Everyone's given their backgrounds. Here's what I've done before. Here's what I've done before, <laughs> you know, yeah. and all of this. And, uh, one thing I'll say is there was a guy sitting in front of me on the bus and I'll get to him a little bit later because he was just quiet. He didn't speak a word. And it was kind of weird, you know, because I, I've been on bus transports before and everyone's like, Ooh, yeah, man, the ultra community is like super yeah. talkative and inclusive yeah. and everything. And always so fun to find out like where everyone's from. And then you find out like, oh, man, I was at that race. Yeah, oh, man, exactly. We, yeah, we together. Like, that's awesome. That's great. And so there's this one guy in front of me. And so it's perfect. And I'll get to him a little bit later because um, he was he's great. Um, but uh, so we're, we're going along. And, of course, now we're, we're going through the mountains and everything, you know, and, and trekking along to the to the start area. And we're going up this one passage. It's these back roads and everything. You know, it's, it's just uh, in buses, which is sometimes a little treacherous. Because, <laughs> uh, I'm just, I'm always scared of that stuff anyways. But anyways, our bus, all of a sudden, we're stalling out. We're going up this incline, and the bus is stalling out. <laughs> someone yells out, everyone out the back and push. <laughs> <laughs> and the other two buses you can see in front of us are just darting away in the distance. No They're way. They're flying away. And the bus driver, she's up front, and she's 
she's swearing. She's like, come on, go. Oh, come on, MFR. You know, just like swearing <laughs> and swearing. And we're try- we, we get up there and we, we, we peak the hill and the other buses are nowhere in sight. And she very loudly kind of turns her head back and says, does anyone know where we're going? Oh, my God, dude. And there was, like, nervous chuckles, nervous laughter. Like, and she's then, joking. She's joking. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> and then she said, I'm not trying to freak you guys out, but I'm serious. I don't know where we're going, and we don't have radio reception right now. <sighs> and so this one guy who has been at the race, who I obviously had been at the race before, he said, well, we're going to Marble Mountain. So follow the signs for that if they come up. But otherwise, you just keep on this road because we're only like an hour and a half into this two and a half hour track. Is this, this is the like, quiet yeah. guy saying this? Nope, nope, oh, not okay. the quiet. Another guy further up, and he's just like, but we don't turn until we actually get to the park where we start. So just keep driving. If you get radio contact again, just tell them to slow down. Well, it was about 25 minutes that went by, and finally you hear on the radio, the radio comes through, and the other bus driver was like, where are you? <laughs> <laughs> and she responds, and she's like, we're back here. Are you, you know, and they figured it out. But there was kind of that little bit of a nervous moment where we're going, oh, none of us really know where we're at. Yeah. And we were depending on you to get us to where oh we were going. God, dude, that would have been a disaster. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yeah, man. See, okay, here's the other thing. Like, if you're listening out there, you've never done an ultra. Like, you got to be pretty flexible with your expectations. <laughs> like, if you're one of the, like, people that are going to freak out over every little detail, it's not going to probably go well for you. Because, you know, I could see someone being, like, super nervous and have a bad time after that 20 minutes of unknown <laughs> so yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> but we were just you know we're all laughing and we were especially the part where like well i guess we can get out and push the bus and yeah it goes good warm-up uh, or you know we're all like well there's a you know 206 miles or we're gonna do 230 miles i don't know <laughs> we'll figure, we're gonna well, get to that start line is there i mean you said two and a half hour bus ride Mm-hmm. As you're driving that, are you just like, oh, my God, we have to run so far? <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially once you start seeing, you get to the areas and you can start to see, like, Mount St. Helen, and you start to see, actually, and there's actually some parts where you actually see the the ribbons, the flags for the race. So you know you're going to be oh, wow, coming, back, cool. yeah, coming back through there at some point in time. You can see them off, you know, off in the trails in the woods and stuff. So you know that, hey, at some point in time in the next 105 hours we're going to be coming back through here so yeah yeah absolutely so you're, you're kind of paying attention to some of that stuff and i know orig- my original plan was to try to get a little extra sleep during that time but like i said i slept so much the night before i just really couldn't yeah i was just ready to go so yeah man and plus you know sleep on a school bus when you're six foot three <laughs> you just can't fit yeah because you have two options you can lean against the window or yeah. you can lean your forehead against the seat in front of you, and eat. both options suck. So. Oh, and, and this, this was a bumpy ride. We oh, were, yeah. There were some points where we were all trying to figure out how much airtime we were getting. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah that's, that's hilarious. Rock. Like, I'm just imagining a school bus down, like, a bumpy rock, like, mountain road. <laughs> exactly. Every, like, every 30 seconds, we're just flying out of our seats all over the place. So. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so just, yeah, people, it was really great hearing. So I got the pleasure of actually being on that bus with some of the people who were doing the Triple Crown. And that's doing uh, Bigfoot, Tahoe, and Moab. All of her races, wow. Yeah, and so that was kind of cool. And some of them, I got, is there three or four that are going to be in the book? 
um, and some crazy, of them are following up with me. And then another guy that's in the book too, Daryl um, is his name. He's going to be, he's actually being, he's part of a study that they're doing on endurance athletes. And, uh, so he's going to share some of that st those study findings with me as well um, to kind of get into that realm. Because then they're only publishing probably journal articles. And he was like, would you publish some of that stuff in the book? I said, absolutely. That Whatever. Rocks. Yeah, like any kind of advice. This book is going to be primarily on like this is the 200s 101. Yeah. You know, like how to how to how to race these things, how to do them. Well, and from what I've seen with the podcast is the episodes I've done. So I've done three episodes about the 200s, um, mm -hmm. and all of them, there's it's like double the listens because. People, there's not a lot of information out okay. there about 200. So anyone who's signed up for Moab or Tahoe or Bigfoot, they want to learn as much as they can, obviously, but like, where are you going to go to find it? So, you know, yep. there's only a few spots out there where people are talking about their training, talking about the actual event. And so you can kind of get an understanding about what it actually entails. So it's yeah. super cool. Like your book's going to be awesome. I'm totally looking forward to it. That uh, thank you for that, and that's the reason I, I got really jacked up about the book during the whole experience because so many people were so excited about yeah. it. And they're like, "We if we if, if only we had this last year. If only we had this yeah. when we signed up for this." Here's your genius so, idea too, because you're including so many people's stories in the book. Mm -hmm. You know, they're like, I know for me, like my mom would buy the book. You know, mm -hmm. my dad would. So you know, just you're already gonna start off with with a big audience and then you know you make it an entertaining hilarious story just like you just told me i mean there people are going to spread the word so that's awesome oh yeah absolutely that's that's the hope that's the hope yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah so we we eventually we get to the start and everything and that was really cool we had, everyone had to pick up their spot trackers and everything and then we uh you know everyone's waiting in line for the little bathrooms and all that stuff and then we take our class photo that was fun <laughs> everyone got together and you know you take the little photo and all that kind of stuff and um at nine o'clock then that morning that you know the we take off and and we go and uh the first stretch is 12.2 miles i think it was 12 point something anyways and uh I don't, it's really funny of all the, the, the distances that I went and everything, and I'll be interested to hear everyone else's kind of story on this. I don't have a whole lot of recollection of that first 12 miles. Yeah. And it, except for one thing, oh, I'll get to in just a minute, um, because it was, uh, it was so surreal. I think it was one of those moments where you just don't realize exactly what's going to happen here, but that moment finally arrived where you finally get to go, you're finally out there, and for me at least, it was almost a year since, you know, registering, and here it was, we're going, and uh, you're not going fast, Every, you know, you're just, because it's a yeah. very small, it was like a maybe a double person trail, 118 people, not a lot of people, but that's a lot of people to just funnel yeah. into a you know, little double track trail. So Give us an idea of how slow the start is for a 200. <laughs> yeah, so, and this is so fun about this because of all the other races you, you know, you'd be a part of. Be a part of a 5K, a 10K, a half, a, even a full. People just dart off at the gun. Yeah. You know, they're just racing at just uh, phenomenal paces. And I was going at like a 17-minute mile. <laughs> just, just walking along. I got my trekking poles, you know, just yeah. kind of moving and stuff like that and everyone else is kind of doing the same thing i mean at least where i was at you yeah. know what i mean we're just all just walking along and i don't think i even started jogging for probably a mile and a half maybe 
And then I just kind of picked it up a little bit. Maybe I'm going at a 12 minute pace, yeah. something like that, you know, and then you're just kind of cruising along and doing stuff. And the first part is really secluded in the forest and all that. You're not really, uh, you know, you, you're kind of tucked in and you get your first glimpses of Mount St. Helen uh, through like the, the, the breaks in the trees. Yeah. That's when you start to kind of get your first like, idea of what you're kind of getting into. But like I said, it's just very interesting to me that I don't, of all the moments of that race, that is like I have little to no recollection hardly of that first 12 <laughs> miles only because it was just so surreal to me. Like it was happening and and we were finally doing it. Uh, but I do remember, I mean, I was with a bunch of people and we're talking and we're chatting and stuff. Um, and this is one of the um, the funny story during this little just the 12 miles. You think in 12 miles, there's no way at this point in time that anybody could be in a bad mood. And everyone I've talked to so far and everyone I've interacted with, we're all just so happy and we're so positive and all this stuff. So we're moving along. And like I said, we are all pretty packed in together, you know, for the most part. Now, after about five, six miles, we're spreading out a little bit, you know, and we're, we're making some room. And everyone's chatting and people are telling stories. And there's a couple people in front of me and they're telling stories about other races that they've directed before or they've been a part of and stuff. And so it's fun to listen to all that stuff. Well, the same, the same guy, and I don't, I have no idea who he is, no idea. <laughs> and because uh, I think, to be honest with you, if I knew who he was, I might call him out. Yeah, um, yeah. But I'm about eh, maybe 10 feet behind him, and I like his pace. I like his style. He's going by heart rate. I knew he was going off of his heart rate, so he had this jog walk kind of strategy going, and I like that. And so uh, at the same time, too, by the way, I also had met another guy. Um, Zach, who's from Minnesota as well. So I'd already met this other Minnesota guy. So he's he's with me as well. And he's just pacing just off my shoulder. And we kind of like this guy's style. He had a really good kind of process. Yeah, yeah. We're getting about a couple miles from the first aid station. So we're about 10 miles in. And all of a sudden he turns around and he goes, you need to back off me about 20 yards right what? now. What? <laughs> and I stopped dead in my tracks and I said, uh... Okay. And he's like, yeah, stay off my back. <laughs> That's crazy, man. <laughs> I know. Because I'm like, I, I, I'm sorry. Like, you know, a Minnesota nice sets in right away. Yeah, and I'm man. Just like, you got the Midwest oh, going my, on. Yeah, my bad. My bad. <laughs> like, I, I didn't know that I was doing that. And it just, it just floored me because I'm just like, I'm seriously like, people, people do that. You, you pace off of people all the time. Yeah. And, and sometimes people are like right on your heels. Yeah. I've never minded that. I don't care. Just don't clip my heel. Yeah. But I'm like, I was like 10 feet back from this guy. Like, that's I, crazy, man. Cause the thing is, dude, you can't be in a bad mood. I mean, you're trying to fend off a bad mood the whole race. And like, you know, I'm sure there's moments where you get down where you're depleted of calories or stuff or sleep where you're like, oh, I'm grumpy. But to like, be grumpy from something other than calories and sleep, man. That like seems like a terrible strategy. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're ten miles into this race. Like, yeah. come on, man. Yeah. So I just thought that was, uh, I, I thought that was a little fun. Like, I, it just kind of, you know, it made you kind of. Did you ever see that guy again during the race, or? I did not. Um, oh, we came okay. in. The, there's, there's a, there's a picture that, um, that my wife took of me coming into the first aid station, and he's right in front of me. No way. And, uh, yeah, the picture's awesome because he has like you on his face. He must have been something had to have been wrong. Yeah. Because the look on his face to were 12.2 miles into this thing, I'm all like, hey, hey 
day coming into the first aid station. Yeah. And his face like told it all. He was just not for whatever. He was not happy. Whoa. Maybe he was like, you know what? I'm just going to be pissed off and maybe that'll drive me through 200 miles. <laughs> it might be. And from what I, from what I think I remember him talking about, I think he was a DNF last year. So oh. he was back for revenge. Yeah. And maybe, I don't know, maybe he was just having a bad, maybe that was just a bad like thing. And I looked up his, I did look up his, um, uh, bib number. Like I said, I can't remember his name right now, but I, he finished. Did he so, really? Okay. Well, yeah, he had, he had finished, so. <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah, I was happy. For him, so. Yeah. Absolutely. That's crazy, man. So yeah, after you get to the first aid stage, did your wife, yeah. you, she was your crew the whole time or? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, she, and bless her soul. My goodness. She had to drive. She got, she, she kept the mileage too from the, from the car. Uh, it was like 700 some miles just for the race. Just for the yeah, for, just for the hundred and two point five that I did. Imagine what? if I finished the whole thing. Yeah, because there was just no easy way to get anywhere. Oh, I mean, it wasn't God. just like a quick drive. And she she got a hotel that was uh, about an hour from the finish. Okay. Uh, and and so she figured that was a good advantage point, you know, just to have from the start to the finish. But um, she had to drive a lot. Uh, she drove a lot. Wow. So it's like even a ultra marathon for the crew, basically. Like yeah. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. My goodness. Yeah, they, they put in just as much work as we did. So she was able to go. She went, you know, she dropped me off and she went back to the hotel and she was watching me. Metic- you know, she was following me yeah. as well, yeah. meticulously on the tracker and stuff, which was great that they had that because there was no, you know, at first my thing was I'll text you. I'll call you when, you know, I'm at this point or that. There was just absolutely no service out wow. there. So we just couldn't, you know, there was no way to do that. So thank goodness we had those spot trackers. So yeah, she could, man kind of estimate how she had to go but she went back to the hotel and she slept for just a little bit and then she she came back out and met because she knew i'd be it was about noon that's what time we figured i'd be at that first aid station was about noon and i hit it actually it was really funny because i i literally came in at 12 o'clock on the dot wow that's <laughs> so, awesome yeah it was like it was one of those things where i was kind of i'm watching my gps and i'm trucking along and i'm like i'm gonna get there and it was 12 o'clock on the dot and she because I, I told her between 11 and 1 but i said most likely noon <laughs> and it was yeah right on there and That's so she cool. even followed me. so how'd the second that, section go like i mean how far to the next aid station after that so then we got an 18.1 mile wow and this was the one at the aid station they're telling us you need to load up on liquids okay this is the part where you load up on liquids because you're not going to have much uh, and there's some rivers. There will, there'll be some rivers in this one, but you're gonna. It's. It was hot. Friday was hot. It was a very hot day. Not really any clouds in the sky. Uh, still some of that. Uh, the still some remnants of the smoke. So you could feel it a little bit. You know, as you're breathing, especially us. You know, flatlanders. Yeah. Um, you know, we just a little bit of, of feel there. But um, we had a. Uh, it was going to be 4,400 feet of ascent and about 3,100 feet of descent. So, and you start off in the woods. And so this was a very, this section was a very, um, uh, the conditions changed dramatically throughout. And so you take off and you're in these woods and then you get out of the woods and you cross this river. Um, And that's the first river there. I didn't stop, my mistake there was that I did not stop to take some liquids and and rehydrate. My main concern at that point in time was getting across that river without getting wet. Yeah. It was too er- it was too early in the section. It was only a few miles in, and so I didn't want to have wet feet because I knew there was a long way to go. Yeah. So me and a, me and the guy Zach from Minnesota, we found a, a we went down just a little ways. Didn't have to go down far, and we found a good crossing to get a, to hop some rocks and get yeah. across. But to get down to the river, we had to basically uh, there was a rope, 
and you basically just had to kind of grab the rope and sort of rappel down That's into cool. this little yeah yeah it was awesome into this river valley and then on the other side you had there was another rope that you had to then climb up out of said river valley problem is i'm carrying an extra bottle of water and my trekking poles <laughs> and i'm so i'm looking at this rope going okay both my hands are full <laughs> how am i going to do this so basically i ended up just kind of shoving my trekking poles into my the back of my pack and then kind of holding my bottle in my mouth and climbing up <laughs> and it was a very long climb very long very steep climb and uh, so when you get to the top very hot as well so now you know you're talking mid-afternoon here and so once we got to the top there were like five of us that were all kind of packed together and we're just guzzling our liquids because it was so hot and we just this climb was just brutal and uh you're into kind of this like what we would describe as like a desert wasteland and it was uh, kind, of the, kind of the blast zone of Mount St. Helens. So it's all this volcanic ash um, that's just everywhere as far as the eye can see. Nothing really, you know, green to look at or anything like that. Very dry. Yeah. And we had, to, we had to go and do these single treks up the side of this volcanic ash hill. <laughs> this is not actually a natural path, as I think we discovered, as so much as you know, maybe Candace saying, I want them to run up this. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and any one little slip as you're, as you're, no one's running, not with us. None of us are running this. We're just kind of lightly stepping because you step and the volcanic ash is just sliding down off your feet. And you just know, as you keep doing the single trek, kind of uh, just back and forth, back and forth, as you go up, you know, you go down, you know, you go over maybe a quarter mile turn and go up, you know, just kind of doing those, those uh, switchbacks going back and forth up the side of this hill and you get up there and I'll have some pictures that'll be great to show this um, in the book, but you get up there and you see that the river that you crossed is down maybe about a quarter to a you know third of a mile down and any misstep on this little hill, you're sliding down volcanic ash all the way down to this river. Oh my God. That's so crazy, man. That actually, that description right there, kind of makes me want to sign up for the race just because I'm like, what other race can you run up volcanic ash on an active volcano? <laughs> exactly. And that's, and, and that's the beauty of it. There's nothing that, that part of it is like, it's not me going back and reflecting on, man, that sucked. Cause it didn't, it was fantastic. It was awesome. And yeah, you get across that and stuff and, and you just realize kind of what you did. And then you're really parched. I mean, you are seriously just parched because you, you know, you're going. And so we finally get up to this. You can hear some water running. You're going across these areas and stuff. And you can hear this water running. You're like, oh, thank God. And again, not much of a trail, just flag markings to kind of guide you from one, one little area of rock and devastation to another. Wow. <laughs> and so you're just really paying attention to, to the flag um, areas. And it's really cool because it says, you know, like a part of the course description really does say like, continue to climb exposed mountainside <laughs> it's just, that's all you're really doing steep scrambles uh and and dry riverbeds and dry riverbeds and that was the worst because yeah. it's like oh it's just all they're all dried up and you know there were there was water here at one point in time but it's just super dry and because uh, they had a really dry they've had a dry season out there uh this year and uh so then you finally hear some water running and you get up to this little creek and it's very silty and it's very grainy and everything. So it's not good for drinking, but it was at least good for like grabbing handfuls of water and throwing it over your face yeah. and over 
But then it was really funny because we're all we had all this grit and rock in our hair and all this stuff because it was just a very gritty river. But uh, you keep going and everything. And now at this point in time, most of us that are all packed together, we're sharing whatever water rations we have left with each other. You like formed a little like, you know, our, like group of guys or girls, and you're yeah. Yep. You're teaming yep, up. We're, <laughs> we're teaming up and we're sharing and we're running into other people that are because there was a lot of breaks being taken. You could we came up on people sitting down. Oh, okay. And just, and and kind of just waiting and trying to take some breaks because it was it was a really strenuous kind of section. Is that okay? So is that normal in two hundreds? Do you think like actually sitting down and taking breaks? Because the the old rule of thumb is always like, hey, keep moving forward, even if you're moving forward slowly, like mm-hmm. keep on that, keep that forward progress. But two hundreds is a totally different ball game. I saw that so much. Um, okay. Not only not only with some of us that DNF, but even the people people that I knew that finished. Same thing. Like some of the people we met, we met because we came up on them kind of making camp for like 20 minutes. Wow. Just to rest and drink and maybe eat some food. That and, makes you sense. Know, yeah, just to, just to recoup a little bit. And at this section, we saw a lot of that. And then um, finally, there, we knew that there was a point um, at 16 miles in. We knew that there was a point that they called the Oasis. And uh, couldn't quite really figure out, you know, okay, it sounds great and all that stuff. But you hear it and everything and you come in. You, dr- you drop down into this just tiny little red riverbed, and there's this big, huge rock structure, and it's a waterfall of the cleanest, coldest water I've ever drank in my entire life. You just Straight reminisced up. for a moment. People can't see you on Skype, but you just like looked off into the distance. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a moment of euphoria. For yeah, me. yeah. I stuck my head and just guzzled straight from the rock. Oh, like, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Just straight from the rock. And we were so empty on liquids at that time. And it's, it was so perfect <laughs> filling up the water bottles and everything. And then that's also the point, though, too, where you start to hit what they call you're going to the aid station at Windy Ridge. And the name doesn't disappoint. Uh, you're on this ridge of you're right on the ridge of the mountain range there. And it's very windy. So after coming out of the oasis, getting all that cold, you know, refreshing water and then dousing your head and your back in it and everything, that wind is just the best revitalizing like thing That's ever. Awesome. Yeah. And so every, you pretty much see everyone kind of like just running that. Like you're just running that section. And it is uphill. It's still up, uphill. And it's an out and back section. You're going up to the aid station and you're going to come back down. It's a two mile up and then two mile back down. So. But you get up to that aid station, and that was awesome. I mean, it was one of those accomplishments, and everyone – it's kind of that first moment of success for everyone because it was a really difficult section. And so everyone's just kind of like, yes, man, this was awesome. We made it. We made it. And we know this next section isn't going to be nearly as bad. It's only like a 10-mile section, and we know that uh, we just got through this, and uh, it's going to be awesome. Like, well, this will be great. Um so I didn't spend – I spent probably very little time at Windy Ridge, actually. Didn't spend a whole lot of time there. Um, no no crew yeah, at, that, okay. at that aid station. Um, so there wasn't any crew that was allowed there. Uh, so not a whole lot to do there other than just kind of definitely refill up all your liquids that yeah. you need and then uh, get some get a little bit of food. And they didn't even have – even – it's kind of – actually, that was probably – and no fault of the race or anything, but they probably had the least amount of – food and stuff well that's what i was wondering so if it's pretty secluded i mean there's volunteers there that have hiked in but is there a lot of there's not a lot of stuff that at that one 
No, not a lot of stuff. And coming off of you know such a strenuous kind of section, that kind of sucks a little bit. But it was in, they had enough for what we needed to get yeah. because ten miles to the next, they they had enough to what we actually needed. To do, awesome, so. awesome. Yeah, yeah. So what time of day is this at this point? So now I'm thinking I'm trying to remember exactly what noon six hours probably. It's probably getting close to nighttime um, almost. Yeah, it was probably about six o'clock, five six o'clock. In the evening. So this is the point in time, too, where I've actually started now re- rethinking my strategy of what I was going to do, because I was going to be one that now I wasn't paying attention and I because sh- I didn't I didn't check my emails maybe like the day before the race or whatever. So I didn't look at the updated race manual that said that 65 wasn't going to be a sleep station anymore. And so my original plan was to go to 65 and sleep. But at this point in time, I did not know that 65 was not a sleep gotcha. station. Yeah. So I, that's where I was going to go. But at this point in time, I also changed my strategy to say, you know what? I actually think at 46, I'm going to bed down for just a couple hours. Um, and I only wanted to do that because it was so hot that day that I wanted to get more overnight running in. Oh, gotcha. So I figured if I could go. So I had I had 15 miles to go. There was two more. I I was going to go on a 9.6-mile stretch to the next aid station, and then it was only six six and a half miles to that first sleep station. So I figured at six o'clock at night I could get to, I could get to that next to that sleep station by about ten o'clock, and then I could get a couple hours of sleep and then get some really nice cold like cooler weather night yeah. running in. Yeah, yeah. So that was my plan. So I changed it there, and I was cool with that. And so I took off, you know, from I took off from Windy Ridge knowing that that's what I was going to do. And then I knew uh, Megan was going to be at the next aid station. That was the last aid station she'd be able to be at for that day. Yeah. And so I, you know, I kind of had like a, you know, that that's kind of, in, sometimes that's a little bit inspiring to get there. Cause you know, that for your sure. crew's there, you know, you know, she's there. So you want to get to see her and everything. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to get there too late. Cause I knew she wanted to get, I knew she had to drive back. <laughs> extra you know. motivation. Yep. A little extra motivation to get, to get there and stuff. And so, um, really cool. Uh, as the sun was kind of going down at that point in time, there was some really cool views because you had really, really open views of the uh, uh, the blast zone from Mount St. Helen. Wow. So you saw that side of the mountain that yeah. was blasted out, and it was really cool, um, very cool, a little area there. And I love the description of the course said that it feels like you're in another world, and it's so true because yeah. you're just like, where am I? Like, you don't get to... No. You don't get to see things like this. And there wasn't a lot. There's just very little ups and downs during this section. Um, 1,500 feet of ascent, 1,400 of descent. So really flat kind of area. More Definitely more of a kind of a runnable little area during that time. So you could you could get through there pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, see, but, so my wife and I climbed Mount St. Helens, but we climbed it from the opposite side of the blast zone. Yeah. And so I didn't get the, it was really cool. Don't get me wrong. It was one of the coolest experiences we've had, but I didn't get the opportunity to really go, you know, I, I go explore the area that has been blasted out. And I think that would be super cool. So, so far, everything you're saying, I'm like, oh, maybe this is a good one to sign up for. Even though 200 <laughs> sounds very intimidating. <laughs> it does. But yeah, I tell you what, yeah, because you do, you get to that other side and it's so amazing. It's just, it's yeah, out of this world kind of stuff. Very much so, yeah. And I was very alone during this time, too, actually. That was probably the most I had gone without really seeing anybody. At some point in time during leaving Windy Ridge and then hitting this this 10-mile stretch or 9.5-mile stretch, um, those of us that were kind of together during that time, we really got separated out. And so I, I really wasn't with anybody 
um, up until the last couple miles, and I ran into a couple of uh, a couple of gals that were running together and I, I even mentioned to him i came up on him and i was like geez you guys are like the first people i've seen for like yeah. two hours yeah how did um, you handle that i mean you're in the middle of the wilderness are you a little freaked out because i'm like if i got lost it would be pretty intimidating sure. i think no at that at that at that point in time no because it was still daylight okay um, so there's still a lot to look at so i still got to and there wasn't any like treacherous trails at this point in time so it was really kind of cool to just look around at you know taking pictures stopping and doing things like that yeah, yeah. and so at that point in time i wasn't too bad plus my mind was like, super sharp you know yeah. still you know i'm just i was having a really good time um and uh so yeah really super sharp and and wasn't really too worried about anything like that so yeah i got up to them and um yeah not much not not much of a uh anything too much that came in through that run and then got into the Johnston observatory area. So now I'm like six, six and a half miles from the sleep station that I want to go to. Okay. And, uh, one of the things that, so, so Megan's there, my wife's there, she's talking to me. I, you know, changed out my socks and everything. That was like a big change of sock kind of area. I think I was kind of getting tired of you know, the sweat and everything. Yeah. And I spent a little bit more time there just because it was going to be the last time that I was going to see Megan for until the next day. So I spent a little time to rest um, and and get things had my uh, my tiger tail, so I could roll out my muscles and stuff and did that and ate some food and great volunteers again at that point in time. Sun was just going to start setting at that point in time as well, so I wanted to get out of there at least to get um, a little bit more daylight running in before because at this point in the section I knew it was primarily downhill. <laughs> You're gonna we went it was uh, it was like basically 2,000 feet of descent wow. to the next over six miles down to the next aid station and um i know it says it's it was a mostly runnable kind of point in time but there were some really sketchy single trek like wall on your right death drop on your left <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> kind of thing and you know after 40 miles your legs oh are, yeah you're always going to be a little bit weary and stuff like that and then the night sets in and that's always kind of a, a mental game when the night starts to set in and uh you know you don't want to slip because you're not going to get found for a long time yeah. if you live that drop so that's terrifying yeah because your muscles like your legs aren't working like they normally would on a day-to-day -day basis right exactly exactly so even though the even though the six the six and a half miles were said to be a pretty good runnable part um i imagine the guys that got to do it all in daylight probably had a much easier time those of us who recollected about this section later uh all talked about how like man that sucked <laughs> like we, it was so scary you know like oh i was like holding my breath for most of the time because when you, you got your headlamp on and so once it got dark and like i said you got this like wall on your right side and when you look down to your left Don't and you see can't anything. see anything <laughs> yeah that would be a bit intimidating yeah, you you get a little freaked out about that. But then once you kind of get down to the base of that, then you're just kind of running through some overgrown stuff. This also was a point in time where I didn't see anybody for a little while. Okay. Uh, just kind of out there. And then I know then I then I saw a headlight ahead of me, and I ca I caught up to that guy and said, "Hey, what's going on?" And we talked for we we ran into the aid station together and kind of talked about that same thing. Like, man, I can't. You know, I thought maybe there'd be some more people. There were a lot of people at the aid station. Yeah. Uh, you know, behind us at Johnston Observatory, we thought maybe there'd be some more people sneaking up on us. We thought we were going a little slower than maybe we were. I think maybe we were going a little faster than yeah. we thought we were. Yeah, so, yeah. Were you able yeah, to so sleep we, at the sleep station? I mean, like, what's that like for those of us who haven't yeah. know, been to one of these? 
so I pull in, and so the first thing I want to say is that I, I first thing I say when I get in there, I'm like, I'm going to be staying here and sleeping for a little bit. So um, can I, uh, you know, so what do I need to do? And they're like, we'll write you down here. Um, there's people currently sleeping right now uh, in the, they had tents set up and then cots and air mattresses and stuff. And they said, um, this person's getting up in 15 minutes, um, and so we'll just reserve that spot for you. Oh, cool. Uh, you get a maximum of five hours, um, minimum of whatever you want. You tell that they come and wake you up. You give them they, they do wake up calls. <laughs> That's awesome. Like a uh, hotel, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you tell them what time you want to get up, and so um, it was probably that night. Let's see here. I'm trying to think. So you, I sat down. What I basically did: kicked off my shoes, kicked off my socks. They come and they take care of you. I'm like, God, they take care of you. Yeah. Holy, I, those volunteers, I, just, they're such amazing people. I had a volunteer offer to give me a foot massage. Nice. Uh, <laughs> those feet were not pretty. You're like, they you haven't seen my feet. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, but no, they're like, whatever you need, man, whatever you need. It is awesome. They wow. have medics at every station too. So, you know, you're like fully taken care of. And at that point in time, I'm having no issues. So um, I sit down. Uh, they make me a grilled cheese sandwich. I had some soup. And all that, and they came and said, "Okay, your you know your room is ready, sir." You know, <laughs> so I said, "Great." And it was about 11 o'clock, and I said, "I I want to be up at uh, two, so I can be out of here by 2:33 o'clock." And so yeah, I went in there, and uh, I fell immediately asleep. Yeah, I was gonna I, ask like I don't I feel I feel like that's probably the case for everybody, but you know it would kind of suck if you go in there and then you can't sleep for the first hour or so, but. And if that was going to be the case, honestly, I'd have gotten up and just gone. Yeah, right. You know, but but no, I fell immediately asleep. And some people talked about not being able to sleep, um, but I zonked out. I I set an alarm though too because just my own nature. I'm just like, eh, if they forget about me in here, yeah. I don't want to wake up and it's sunshine and birds chirping. <laughs> <laughs> I just lost a lot of time. Um, but uh, no, I went to sleep, and so then uh, uh, they came in at two o'clock, and when they unzipped the tent, they said, "Hey, Ryan and Garrett." wake up it's two o'clock and i'm like garrett who the heck is garrett <laughs> and there's a guy sleeping pretty much almost at my feet <laughs> with a wide open tent and he's like pretty much at my feet which is great but uh so i get up and uh you know i'm like getting all my stuff put back on and everything and uh gonna go out and get some breakfast and, and all that and then uh this guy garrett he gets up too garrett is the guy who was sitting in front of me on the bus oh no way okay <laughs> yeah so he had come in at some point in time after I had already got, because I was the only one in the tent when I went in there. And so he had come in at some point in time. Well, it also turns out Garrett is from Minnesota. <laughs> so, um, but he, so we were eating breakfast. We hadn't talked or anything yet. And just, we had gotten up and everything. And, um, and then we took off on this, on this next trek, um, which was going to be, this is an 18.7 mile trek. Also a big one. And we're making the biggest ascent where okay. we, we have to go and peak Mount, uh, Mount Margaret. That's like the that's the big to do is you're going up and you're going to you're going to go up to the highest elevation that you're going to be at for the entire race. So we take uh, he had taken off before me. He, he and a guy named Sean um, had taken off before me. I didn't because I wasn't paying much attention. And so I took off but very quickly, maybe within the first mile. I caught up to the guys and I'm like, oh, I'm glad I caught up with you guys. I didn't want to do some of this night run because it was about two thirty in the morning. And I said, I didn't want to do a lot of this night running on my own. Um, and so we're just, we're like, Hey, yeah, let's pack up. And we, we met up with this other guy who was also then doing this really cool pace that we really liked kind yeah. of like this guy earlier, yeah. that I had, you know? but he wasn't complaining about us being right behind him. 
He wasn't a butthead. <laughs> Not yet. But we'll oh, get to that. Okay. <laughs> well, apparently, though, this guy must have been doing too much for his own. Um, oh, gotcha. Level. Because eventually he stopped and he turns around at us and he's like, go in front of me. And we were like, no, man, we really like your pace. <laughs> and he said, he's like, no, I'm dying here. You guys are pushing me too hard. Yeah. You're like, we didn't <laughs> mean to go. do that, man. Sorry. And we, Yeah, we were like, oh, my God, so sorry, man. So sorry. Yeah. He's like, no, 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 just please go ahead. Please, I, I feel too pressured. He's like, yeah, I yeah, feel yeah. too pressured leading you. So the three of us then, we developed this system. Sean and Garrett and I, we developed this system of taking turns leading. Okay. So we just we flip-flopped just between us at a different section because this is all, at this point in time, we are almost primarily going up. Now, let me ask you this, especially as you're going up, taking turns leading. Are you following the classic rule of whoever is not farting at the time is the leader? That's awesome that you say that because not at this point in time. Later on in the race, we were following that. That's the rule. That's the best rule. Like if you're hiking or something, you're like, who's not going to be farting? Okay. You're up front. Yep. <laughs> yep. No, I, in fact, I think, was it Garrett or Sean, one of the two who, who were farting quite a bit, had said, they just kept apologizing. We're like, stop apologizing and just keep going. <laughs> That's <laughs> but, hilarious. But no, what we were doing, it was just this really great check-in with each other. Yeah. Um, saying like, you know, hey, like if I'm in the front, I'm saying, how's the pace, guys? Do I need to slow it down? Do I need to, you know, because we all, we want to stick together. The three of us want to stick together. Yeah. And they would, they would be, we were just all honest. Like, yeah, can we, can we pull it back a little bit? We're going a little too, a little too hot for this point in the race or no, no, we're good. You know, or, Hey, can you pick it up a little? And so we just did that. And so switching off between the three of us, I think was really great strategy. Definitely, um, man. Just to keep us going. And so then the, and then of course, one of the biggest benefits at this point in time is the sun coming up. Once the sun starts coming up, you get that energy of just like, okay, here's another day. We've made it now. We're here at the second day, yeah. uh, and we're not and we're not 24 hours into the race yet. So that's one thing we kept in mind was how much ground are we going to cover in the first 24 hours? Oh, okay. The problem was we keep expect now the sun's up and now we can see the peaks of these mountains, right? And we know we, <laughs> we know we have to peak Mount Margaret. None of us have a clue which one of these peaks is Mount Margaret. Yeah. And so every time we'd start to look like we're peaking something, we're like, all right, here's the peak. And it wasn't the peak. We would end up bypassing another mountain range and going over to this other peak. And so we're just, you kind of get really frustrated with that. But the views were so incredible. There's all these lakes out that you can see. And uh, then we start, then we get above the cloud line. Oh, that's awesome. And yeah, so we're above the cloud line now and we can see all this. And then we finally reach the point um, where we finally ascend and, and, we, and we peak the, we peaked the mountain, but now there were some, let me tell you, there were some treacherous passes here, like some, uh, just some crazy areas where like you couldn't run because it was maybe like a foot of like flat across this like wall that we were like sidestepping wow. across. Did you expect this going into the race or is this kind of like, oh crap, I didn't know there was this. Yes. No. Some of the pictures that I saw beforehand, I was, I remember just saying to myself, like, I really hope I hit that during daylight. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) That looks really bad. Um, and like everyone was talking about this section, uh, like everyone I've talked to so far has talked about this section and talked about this, like, Oh, screw that. I got to go across. Are you crazy? One misstep. I mean, you're, cause you are, you're just, you do I go, 
do I go back to the wall or do I go front to the wall? Yeah, like, yeah. what's the best method to do this? And so getting across this, and the guy, Sean, that we were with at that time, too, he was just terrified of these sections. Dude. <laughs> just terrified. I'm and, just imagining doing it, like, 60 miles into the race or whenever, however far you were. Like, yeah. your legs are destroyed, shaky, wobbly, you're tired. Oh, man, that's crazy. Well, actually, luckily for us, here's the thing, though. Because now the three of us all slept at that age station yeah. before. Oh, so yeah, we're, if you not didn't, as, whoa. we're not as tired. But we know people, and I've talked to people, who did not sleep at that aid station and had to do that during the night. Oh, dude. And, that, and that's people. Jay, who won the race, he yeah. taught, he, that's one of the stories he's already told me was that he was hitting that section at sunfall. Oh, and, as, you know, sun, <laughs> and he was like, it was, tre- it was terrifying. Yeah. He's, he was like, it was so terrifying to suddenly come up and you got your light and you're looking down and you're saying, wait a minute, where's the trail? And you realize then when you see a flag across the way that you've got to go across this like one foot little section and you're going, this is where I die. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Holy crap. This is, this is the end of me. And so now nah, it, uh, it was just fantastic. But in the race guide too, it also talks about this section being like, if you can see this section in the daylight, this is going to be some of the most stunning views you can get. Yeah. They did, it did not disappoint. And luckily those the three of us who had slept at the aid station before and got to see this during the day it was just phenomenal and at this point in time too we are also running into more people resting yeah uh, on the trail because you are doing such big peaks and big and big ascents and so by the time we finally got to the sign that said here's the peak go up there because it's an out and back you have to you have mandatory out and back you got to go to the peak of mount margaret and of course honor system and the fact that we have a spot tracker on us, <laughs> we're going up there. And so it's a pretty strenuous hike up there, too. Not very far, but pretty strenuous. And when we got up there, there was probably a good, as we rest, we, we rested up there, took pictures. Funny story, all of us got reception on our phones at that point in time. <laughs> That's how it always happens. <laughs> yep. And so everyone's phones are beeping with all, like, people, like, text messaging and yeah. anyone that was, like, giving us, like, support and all that stuff. Yeah. I had, like, I looked at my phone and I had, like, 22 text messages <laughs> that all just came through at the same time. That's cool. That's a cool and feeling, I bet. It was. And we and we sat up there for, like, 25 minutes or so. So I, I sent out some replies, too. You know, I was, yeah. like, writing back to people, taking in some water. It was a very cool, more, like, very cool aired morning, um, probably only about 58 60 degrees and so it's just beautiful up there all these pictures but then there was like about a dozen of us that all met up at there at the same time and that was kind of a really cool uh really cool moment to have like 12 people when you think about 118 total people yeah 12 of us are up there witnessing this just awesomeness That's at the so same cool, time man. Yeah, it was really cool and a really cool bonding moment at that point in yeah. time too so when did it when did your feet start bugging you so now we're getting exactly to that point. Yep. So this is, we're probably about 60 miles in at this point in time. Okay. And now we have just this descent to do to the next aid station. Um, and as we're descending down there and stuff, uh, probably a couple miles before the aid station. And again, um, me and, and Garrett and Sean are all just pacing each other, switching off, you know. And we were tearing down those hills because they were very runnable. And we were hitting like seven thirty-eight minute paces. Wow. And all of us knew too. At this early in the race, we should not be doing this. <laughs> but you have to and do so it. Anyways. You do. And but what we started to do is say, okay, who's going to slow it? Which one of us is going to slow us down? That's who needs to go in front. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think I had the active. I think my GPS was showing the most uh, 
the most accurate uh, pace at the time. I wasn't pinging or anything like that, so I had a real-time pace going on. Yeah. So I took off in front, and it kept us down to like a nine and a half, ten-minute pace. Nice. That's what they're we like, thanks, Ryan, for being so slow. They were, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, because it's just too early to be that. You can't be that fast at, you know, not for us. Yeah. Jay, yeah, he was cruising. Who yeah. cares? He he was winning already. Um, but the rest of us uh, normal folk, <laughs> we had to we had to be careful. Well, at that time, coming in about yeah, a couple miles into that aid station at 65, I started feeling some hot spots on the on the balls of my feet. I figured that's going to be pretty normal, and I knew I was switching shoes and socks at the next aid station. Um, so I came in there. Uh, we we got in there, um, and. Uh, um, again, no crew because that was where it got washed out and stuff where a crew were supposed to be originally be able to be there, but no one's there. But, uh, uh, Sean, who was with us, he decided he was going to just kind of be in and out and gone. Garrett and I, we decided we were going to stick together at this point in time. Us Minnesota guys got to stick together. That's right. And, uh, so he asked if we could take a little extra time. And I said, yep, I need some extra time. My feet are kind of acting up a little bit. Garrett, by the way, we need to just throw this out there. Uh, never ran an ultra marathon before. What? <laughs> yeah, 5K, maybe 10K. Never did an ultra marathon. Okay, uh, so then he's like, you know what, I'm going to do this 200 thing. This 200 thing just suddenly appealed to him. And so that's the conversation Tim and I were having. And I'm like, dude, you are awesome. Like, <laughs> fantastic. What like, was his name? Garrett. Dude, you're going to have to hook me up with his info. I will. I will. He'd love it. Yeah, um, that's a crazy story. Especially because, and I'll just throw this out there right now, he finished. Whoa, man. So, so he finished. He's the reason I went back to the finish line on, on the last yeah, day. Because I was with the guy for 30 hours. Yeah. But I got to go back and I got to, you know, I got to find this guy. And, and he's come, not to mention the fact that who's going to be in the book and yeah. him and I are going to go out for some runs because we don't live very far from each other. Oh, so. yeah, man. Wow, that's crazy. So, never done an ultra marathon. <laughs> never done an ultra marathon. So this guy is just fantastic. And he's just, it was just, he's a great person. He's just a fantastic individual. So, um, so yeah, we get in his family. His family was all out there crewing him too. His wife, uh, his wife's friend and his parents. And so they were all out there and they're great people too. I got to meet them and talk with them. They were just fantastic people. Um, but I, so I talked to the, the main medic was at this aid station, uh, Todd and Todd will be in the book too. Um, cause that guy's got some stories yeah, as the main, dude, as the main medic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's got some good stories. So, so I just said, Hey Todd, I got some feet things going on. I, can you take a look at him? He's like, yeah. Uh, how long are you hanging out? I said, Oh, we'll be here about 30, 40 minutes or so. And he's like, give me a 10 minute warning. Take your shoes off, take your socks off, dry them out. Let me take a look. So when we were given the 10 minute warning, he, uh, he came over and he's like, yeah, you got a little, you know, there's a little blistering going on here, some dry spots going on. So he threw some moleskin on and they immediately, they just felt fantastic. Like, Oh, this is perfect. You know, this is good. This is going to be awesome. So, uh, no issues there. So me and me and, uh, me and Garrett took off again together and we had an 11 mile trek to do not much again for like a center descent. Um, really going down, um, there's a lot of there was a lot of trees that were down in this area, so a lot of like tree climbing and going underneath there. Um, a lot of really cool trails though um, through the forest and stuff. So not not nothing like crazy strenuous or anything like that. And my feet were feeling perfectly fine at that point in time, no issues whatsoever. And at the next aid station was going to be um, full support again, so the crew is going to be there and everything. So Garrett made it's an afternoon, nice afternoon run. Um, sunny skies, 70 degrees, just really beautiful that day. You know, just a nice trek. And we covered that 11 miles pretty quickly um, for the most part. In fact, 
when we came into that next aid station, uh, my wife said, geez, you're here early. <laughs> <laughs> she had been, she had been tracking and she, she wanted to come out, you know, and, and meet me there. But she's like, you got here like an hour earlier than I was expecting you to. Yeah. And I said, well, this last section was just fantastic. You know, it was just a really easy section to run. Nothing, nothing to really talk about. It was, you know, it was just good runnable section to, to kind of trek through. And, uh, Garrett and I decided at that point in time too, we knew that the next aid station was 15 miles away and we were going to sleep there again. So that was 90, 91, yeah, 91 miles. And we okay. were going to rest, we were going to rest there again. But at this next aid stay at this current aid station, we were also going to spend a little bit of time at because we were ahead of our, we had a schedule in our head and we were ahead of it. So we said, what's a little rest going to hurt? It'll be great. You know? And yeah. Yeah, I'll stick by that. I'll, I'll, I'll absolutely stick by that. So kick the socks off again, um, put on a new pair and all that stuff, all dry, check the moleskins, everything was going good and everything. And then so we took off, uh, got, to, or got some good food, got some good hydration, and we took off on this 15 miles of what we thought was going to be. So it was described as 2,500 feet of ascent, 3,100 feet of descent. So we were expecting some downhills. Not quite sure if things need to be updated, <laughs> but I will tell you what, between the two of us and other people we've talked to about this 15-mile section, I think that was mixed. And oh, I think like more was, uphill than downhill. There was more uphill than downhill, and it was a lot of uphill, <laughs> like a lot of climbing, and what seemed to go on forever. Yeah. Um it just seemed like this 15, and I don't know if it was just because he'd come into the end of the second day and people talked about people like race veterans talked about how this, um, the second day is kind of like a really low day for people because, you know, but we kept our spirits high though. Everything was good. But then at that, during those 15 miles, my feet really started burning. Yeah. Like there was, it was just getting like really hot and all that, you know, like, I, and it was pain shooting up my legs. And I'm like, this is not good. Like, I got to figure this out because, you know, we got a long way to go. We're not even coming up to the halfway point yet. And yada, yada, yada. So the sun's starting to set too. Um, and we're, for whatever reason, we ended up finding out actually that some course markings were tampered with on this uh. section. Yeah, there, there was some tampered with sections. And we ran into uh, dirt bikers who were out there. And I don't think they were supposed to be out there. Um, oh, we gotcha. didn't, I think it was supposed to be like no motorized vehicle kind of thing. And they were coming around. And so we were wondering if maybe they were kind of screwing with the course markings. Oh, but yeah, yeah. I know other people had come into this next aid station complaining that there was some like really odd areas where you just weren't quite sure if we were still on course. Well, luckily, both Garrett and I had the GPS information on our phones. So yeah. even without service, you still have the GPS maps. And we knew we were on course. But the problem is my GPS, my watch was screwing with me. And I'm saying, Garrett, we're at like mile 14 according to, according to my watch. And he said, well, according to the GPS, we're still three and a half miles <laughs> from the aid it's station. It's a terrible I'm, feeling. <laughs> it is a terrible feeling. And you don't really know. I mean, maybe the mountains are screwing with you. The elevation's screwing with Who knows? Who knows? But at that point in time, it's just like, let's just get, we just need to get to the aid station. Like, so Garrett gave me uh, props and maybe a little hard time as we were running like a seven minute pace. Because <laughs> I was leading at that time and I'm tearing down the trail because it's runnable trail. Yeah. Uh, but I'm like, we need to get to this aid station. We need to get there now. My feet are burning. We need to do this. And so we were just hauling, just hauling it in. And we got there probably 45 minutes 
before our plan to get there was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, again, we reserved our tent, said, yeah, we want to get a tent after we eat and all this stuff. And I, and I said, "Is uh, where's the medic at? And the medic's like, yeah, I'm right here. What's up? And I said, well, I got to get my feet looked at. And she's like, when are you leaving? I'm like, well, we're going to do the same plan again. We're going to get up at 2 in the morning. Um, same exact plan we had the night before. And uh, I said, yeah, we're going to be up at 2. And she's like, okay, take your shoes off, take your socks off, let them air out good. Um, and then when you are when you get up, I'll take a look at them. Um, well, then it's it, it, that night then, shortly after we got into the tent, it started raining. Um, and it just it was pouring rain actually. And then there was a lot of noise going on at that aid station. So not as restful of a sleep yeah. as the, the whole time where you're just like, we're in the tent, not getting rained on. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. Yes. Yes. It was very, very dry in there until it wasn't. <laughs> the tent started leaking. About oh, two no. And so you're just kind of doing all you can to just kind of stay calm and everything. And got, you know, still felt pretty rested when I got up. Well, I got up and I, I didn't put my shoes or socks on yet. I just carried them with me to the, because uh, everything, they had nice tarps up and nice tents up and stuff so that the, thankfully the volunteers were staying dry. Yeah. Um, gosh, they're out there doing enough work. They don't need to be soaking wet. Yeah. Um, and so I went over there and it got the medic again and, and God bless her soul. She, she was sleeping and they went and woke her up for me <laughs> to come out and look at my feet. And she, uh, so I'm eating breakfast. I got some scrambled eggs going on and stuff. And I'm like, all right, so what's going on with my feet? And she takes a look at him, and she goes, oh, boy. Oh, no. And I said, what? And she's like, these are going to get infected. Oh, no. What are you talking about? And she's like, you've got this, like, trench foot going on. Like, she's like, how much pain are you in right now? And I'm like, well, to be honest with you, it's pretty painful. It it is pretty painful. And she's like, yeah, this, you know, this is just not going to, this is not going to get better. And I said, okay, so, and she's like, it's just going to be on your own and you're just going to want to keep an eye, you know, whatever you got to do. And I said, okay. Uh, so she's like, well, I'm going to, I'm not going to peel the mole skin off that's on there. Cause if I do that, I'm going to peel the skin right off your feet. Oh, <laughs> dude, I'm making like the grossest face. Oh, what? <laughs> so I was like, okay. And she's like, but I'm going to just put more mole skin over top of it to hope to pat it a little bit. And I'll yeah. wrap some around your toes and stuff like that. So she did that. And then we put my, my, you know, I put my shoes back on and everything. And then Garrett got up too. And we're, we got breakfast and some coffee in us and stuff. And we got an 11 mile, we got this 11 mile trek that's supposed to be what they told us at the aid station was it was going to be a pretty easy trek. Yeah. Now I might be biased <laughs> because of the situation that I was in. But it has never taken me six hours to cover 11 miles. Man, dude, that's intense. And I will say this. It's not just me because of my feet. And I was walking literally on the heels of my feet because I could not put any pressure on the balls wow. of my feet. Wow. It was just that bad. But Garrett was also struggling yeah. as well. I was not slowing Garrett up. Garrett was I, – I stopped and waited for him actually a couple of times during this stretch. So I wasn't slowing him up. Yeah. Um, so it was hard it was for also, everybody. It was hard. It was a hard 11 month. Plus it was raining. It was wet. This was an overgrown kind of area. And we got to, we finally got to the next aid station. Finally got there. My God. And it was also, it was cool because about a half mile, mile from the aid station, his wife had come into the trail. Oh, nice. And, 
and was kind of waiting for us. So that was kind of a uh, kind of a beacon because uh, it was dark and it got light. Of course, the sun rose during this time, but that was like a beacon in the morning to like know that she was there. So we knew we weren't far from the aid station. Yeah. But we trekked in there, and uh, at this point in time, I pretty much had the feeling that my race was done. Yeah. I was kind of thinking that what was really unfortunate why I was so angry in my head was because mentally I was so focused. Like I was, I was still in this race and the rest of my body after 102.5 miles felt phenomenal. Really? Just your feet? Just my feet. No muscle fatigue. I felt like a million dollars, but my feet. Yeah. And plus you have that information. The medic told you going through your brain, like, oh, like these are going to be infected. I've trench foot. (laughs) Yeah. They're going to peel my skin off. (laughs) Oh yeah. And so I, uh, so got to that aid station and everything, and we're just kind of resting a little bit. We're getting dry. Uh, it was a little cold that morning. They had a nice fire going there, which was great. Um, and so Garrett was ready to go. And here's where, here's the little decision I made. I had to make in my own head. Um, Garrett was ready to go. I didn't know how much more he was going to be going. He struggled a lot on that section. And uh, so I said, I'll catch up with you, buddy. And yeah. he's like, no, no, I'll, I'll wait. He's like, no, I'll wait. What do you need? What do you need? And his family so awesome they're like what do you need and i'm like oh by the way his wife had one bar of reception on her phone at that point in time this was not supposed to be a crew station crew were not supposed to be down there not quite sure why they i think they were following us and they knew we were going really slow yeah so i think they came there anyways to make sure he was okay um my wife was also watching at the same time but she was like i don't think i can go down there so i'm not going to yeah Thankfully, his wife had a bar of reception. I was able to text Megan and say, come to Spencer Butte aid station. I know you're not supposed to come down here, but you can get down here. Yeah. And she wrote back and said, okay, it's going to be, it's two and a half hours. And I said, that's fine. That's fine. Wow. Like what? So and she so, knew something was up then. If you like, knew something. he's going to be there for two and a half hours. Yeah. And tracking the fact that it took us six hours to do that 11 yeah. miles. <laughs> she knew something was going on. Well, anyways, Garrett was like, I'll wait for you. I said, no, no. And his family was like, well, what do you need? And I'm like, my wife's going to bring me what I need. Don't worry about it. She'll be here. And, and they're like, no, what do you need? And I'm like, I just need some dry stuff. And they're like, we've got socks. We've got yeah. things. For uh, so I, I was like, yeah, <laughs> like, read like, between the line, guys. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, but then now you have to keep in mind, no experience. Garrett has no experience in the ultra world. His family has no experience in crewing, nothing like that. Yeah. So I said, Garrett, get out of here, man. If I catch up to you, I catch up to you. Don't worry. You've got my back. You know, I've got your back. I'll be following you. Don't worry about it. So he gets going, and then his family's kind of hanging out, and they're like, hey, man, we want to take care of you. We're going to stick around. And I'm like, go to the next aid station and be with your your son, be with your husband. You know, Don't worry about this. I got this. I, I know what I'm doing. I got experience in this. Just keep going. My whole purpose behind that was, I did not want to put any kind of negative light on Garrett. Yeah, If exactly. he had any kind of fire left in him, I don't want him thinking about me. Yeah, and worrying and being her. like, oh, that sucks. Yeah, so yep. so your wife, your wife ended up coming down, and is yeah, that when so he what, dropped, or did you already make up your mind before that? Well, I talked to so the aid station captain. He's like, so what's really going on? This guy's awesome. You know, he's like, what's, <laughs> hap- what's happening, Ryan? Yeah. You know, what's going on? And I said, where's the medic at? <laughs> and so they brought the medic over, and I said, I took off my shoes, took off my uh, my socks, and the medic. Yeah, first thing he's like, damn man, I'm sorry. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> he's he's like, 
you know, you, you don't got much left in you. He's like, I can't believe you made it here from the last aid station. And I'm like, yeah. And uh, at that point in time, there were 24 people who had dropped out already. Uh, I was the 16th with foot issues. Oh, man. Yeah, dude, that's, I mean, I got to imagine, because, so I'm going to wrap up in a second, but, like, I got to yeah. imagine that that's the biggest, that and sleep, I have to think of, for a 200 are the biggest things you need to figure out. And, man, sometimes it just takes trying it multiple times to really, like, nail it down. Yeah, yeah. So you're going to try it again? That's my way yep. of asking. <laughs> yep. Nope. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> are you going to do that but, one? Or are you going to do, because I know uh, Moab's next fall? This. No, I mean, obviously you wouldn't fall, do yep. this one, but. No, no, we got both Tahoe and, and Moab are coming up. But no, if um, I already talked to Megan a little bit about that too, it'd probably be like Tahoe 2019. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But no, a really great aid station worker that was at the, the, the 102 that had uh, dropped out uh, of Tahoe because of foot, same exact issues, had the foot issues and everything. Yeah. And then went back and did it again. He figured it out, learned, uh, you know, get some powder, gold bond, something like that. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You figure so, out the foot thing, I'm sure. Um, yeah. But, man, I, your, feet but look, I tell you, your feet looked messed up. <laughs> they were, dude, they were messed up. And they're still, to this I saw day, the picture. Like, yeah. cross-country practice started last week, too, and I've been running with the guys and stuff, and I'm still struggling a little bit. Like, yeah. they, they flare up and they, they burn a little bit, um, even today. So, And it's been over a week, and... But it's all right, you know. I will change. I'll tell you this much, and I'll I'll be putting out my training plan in the book and everything too. I would change nothing about yeah. my training. Nothing. Yeah. It was perfect. Sounds, so. dude. I remember talking to you. It sounded crazy, but yeah. solid. <laughs> yeah. I would change nothing about it. Yeah. Well, awesome, man. Well, let us know when the book comes out. I mean, we'll yep. be. I'll be following you on social media and stuff, and sharing mm-hmm. your sharing everything. You know, for the people who listen to this. So. Yeah, dude. That's awesome, man. And, you know, next year or the next time you do it, I'm sure you'll nail that one down and nail the foot thing. So I think so. Yeah. But that's awesome, so. dude. I'm excited to read the book. Yeah. So, yeah, should be pretty good. Should yeah. Be pretty good. We'll I'm glad thank- to share everyone's stories. So. Dude, heck yeah. Well, thanks for chatting with me today. And, yeah, uh, yeah we'll get back with you in the future, I'm sure. Sounds great. All right. Cool, man. See ya. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. All right. Thanks, Ryan. That was awesome. That wraps up the show for this week. Uh, Here's your take-home message. Sign up for something hard. Sign up for an adventure. And things might not always go right or go according to plan. In fact, if you're doing an adventure, things will never go according to plan. So just have that mindset going in. And sometimes you won't even necessarily accomplish what you're setting out to accomplish. But you're going to learn so much You're going to be able to use that knowledge in the future and you're going to be able to come back strong with nice dry feet (laughs) and get it done. So, all right, well, we'll uh, definitely catch up with Ryan in the future. I will keep you guys updated on the progress of his book Um, for the rest of the Like a Bigfoot episodes, including the one, if you missed it earlier with Ryan, number 47, you can find us wherever you find podcasts, uh, iTunes, subscribe, review, that helps us out a lot. Or you can go on SoundCloud, uh, just we're under Like a Bigfoot. We're also under Like a Bigfoot on all the social media stuff. So yeah, check us out and I will get back to you guys next week. Peace.